Welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, and ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Salutations. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 10, Episode 9, which is titled Missing. The episode aired on December 4th, 2003. Lauren was going that week 20 years ago. Oh, the universe threw me a bone. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, the third and final part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and Lizzie's favorite, makes its red carpet debut in Wellington, New Zealand. I almost said New Jersey, guys. That's where I'm at. Uh, stateside, though, The Cat in the Hat, the kids' movie starring Mike Myers and based upon the beloved Dr. Seuss book, makes its debut and narrowly beats out The Haunted Mansion to take the box office crown. Remember that time Eddie Murphy tried to do a Disney movie? We don't talk about it. And Baby it was... <laughs> Boy by Beyonce, featuring Sean Paul as your number one song for its ninth and final week. Daniel, what else was on? That was a very dark period for both uh, Disney, Eddie Murphy, and Dr. Seuss. <laughs> All of it. This is a rough week it. for everyone involved. I, uh, it's okay. We got Lord you know, of the Rings coming you know, out stateside I was like, next week. It's, like, it's, it's great for me. It's rough for everybody else. I, I listened to this week get covered uh, in 302010 uh, oh, on, on the flight back from Jake's wedding. <laughs> and, and they were covering uh, specifically Cat in the Hat. And I will say they talked about Cat in the Hat for a solid like 30 minutes. Like what? just about Cat in the Hat. Oh, about, no, it's And about it's how ridiculous. angry it made Antista and Diana and like everyone was it wasn't even just like this movie's bad. It was like this movie is offensive. Like this movie is not for children. No nope. movie is bad. And it was so bad that uh, it made uh, his widow is either his widow or his daughter. I can't remember. Widow. I um, think she's, yeah, yeah, she's his, the holder of the estate. Yeah. Whoever is in control of the Dr. Seuss estate. She uh, mandated after this that there would be no more live action Dr. Seuss adaptations. Like he is, Doctor Seuss is a strictly animation only property from here on out because this movie leaves such a bad sour taste in people's mouths. It's horrible. And I mean, to be fair, Mike Myers is as the titular cat is nightmare fuel. Really, and yes. and apparently a big part of the reason why the movie is so bad is because of Mike Myers and his inability to save himself from himself and like yeah. he just has to tweak things and has to like get his bits in, uh, and it basically ruins the movie and, and also like this is pretty much kind of the peak of mike myers powers yeah. you know like he's still kind of riding high off of the uh the gold the, the austin powers and shrek kind of influence mm-hmm. uh but we haven't quite hit love guru that yet so like he he hasn't really gone full this starts i think the beginning of kind of the the downturn for him and within like just a few years he's going to be basically persona non grata Oh, Mike Myers. Until Inglorious Bastards. When he's good, he's great. When he's yeah. bad, he's real bad. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, what else was on? At 8 p.m., uh, Friends with an, a rerun. Uh, at 8.30, we have a new show. Uh, don't get used to it, though. It won't be around very long. Uh, the Tracy Morgan Show, <laughs> which uh, is uh, starring, as you might imagine, Tracy Morgan, uh, with the episode Christmas. It's the third episode of this show to air just this week. As they're oh, they're fuck. kicking it off, I imagine they probably had a two uh, an hour long block earlier in the week where they had like the pilot episode and the second episode back to back, and this is the third episode airing uh, here. Uh, he plays Tracy Mitchell. Uh, he's now they they also talked about this on Thirty Twenty Ten. They said he's now played somebody named Tracy, a character named Tracy, in like three different shows. 
<laughs> which they said they think surpasses Tony Danza for the most number of times a guy has played a character named after himself. Uh, but he plays Tracy Mitchell, an auto garage uh, owner who lives with his wife, two kids, and an aunt. Uh, it is unremarkable in every way and is canceled in March of 2004 after only 16 episodes. So don't know if it sticks around on Thursday nights or if this was just a one, one-time only deal. We'll have to uh, stay tuned and find out. Uh, at 9 p.m., Will and Grace with uh, the episode Strangers with Candace. And <laughs> at 9.30, uh, Scrubs with the episode My Friend the Doctor. This week's episode had 20.7 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his 32nd out of 40, and previous ones of his from this season include Out of Africa and the season premiere Now What, and written by David Zabel, uh, doing his 10th out of 44, and his previous one from this season was Out of Africa. We have an alternate title this week. Haven't had a good one of those in a while. Uh, this week, uh, This week's episode, In Certain Markets and in Certain Places, was known as Identity Crisis. Uh, neither titles uh, particular. Neither title uh, is particularly <laughs> compelling. Just like the episode that they're trying to title, uh, they they could have just titled this episode "Not Particularly Compelling." Like that's that would have been a much more functional title. You would have known exactly what you're in for. Early uh, season filler. That's what tell us episode is. And no Carter and no Chen this week. Uh, so that that brief glimpse of Carter last week was just that a brief glimpse. We won't be revisiting his storyline until next week. Alright, so we have previously on Sam, and before I get into this, you guys, I've already heard about this on the Discord. I am going to continue to be fucking awful to Alex. It's not (laughs) always because he deserves it, it's because life is on fire and he is the easiest scapegoat right now. So just this episode in particular, I'm going to be awful, and just just let me have it, everybody. This this episode, he kind of deserves it. He's pretty terrible. I'm just saying, like, in general, like... People have already been making fun of me about this, and like some people have actually come to his defense. And I love you all, and you have valid opinions. But your girl has no patience for it this week. I'm wearing sunglasses at 7 o'clock at night because life is on fire. So I'm going to be a bitch about Alex, and we're just, we're just, it's just going to happen. So everybody buckle up with that. Uh, Juicebox, oh. Juicebox podcast mom is cranky. Yes, busting out, the, busting out the shitty kids pen already. There you go. Just just write Alex 50 times on it and you'll call it good. Uh, but with that being said, we open w- seeing Alex's room with it looking like, like age-appropriate with the shit he has on his walls. His head x-ray, a Matrix poster, a Yu-Gi-Oh poster, a fake sword, and medical stuff. And if I'm honest, this would have been the shit like I wanted to hang up. Like, I wanted a fake sword so bad while I was in middle school. So, like, I'm mostly mad because this was the decorations I wanted to have as a middle schooler. He's, I was going to say, he, this is uh, really not... This no. is a, this is a couple pictures of Leia away from Jake's yeah. office now. No, that's exactly <laughs> it. So this is, this this is not offensive down to the Yu-Gi-Oh poster even. But exactly. this is not this is not offensive at all. This was just like yeah, this tracks perfect for his his age group and the time, and just sets us up so well to be like yeah, this is exactly who Alex is. It's all the medical shit in there that's weird. Like there's so much just random stuff throughout that room. Like it's like normal, normal. Okay, that's weird. Uh, and then Sam wakes him up so they can get going. And this is a very cute moment where he's like, oh, but Thursday's, you know, Thursday's a late day. And she's like, not today. And she rips the blankets off and he's got another like sheet burrito that he's in. <laughs> so Lauren special. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm sure Lizzie's tried to do that to me sometimes to get me up in the morning. But this man, this kid, this, man. Shitty, kid's, this, this shitty kid's list already because the Matrix poster was upside down. Oh, like putting some disrespect on my favorite movie of all time. 
So fuck this kid. Uh, anyway, uh, we're in the ER now. Abby, Neil, and Lester are all doing uh, practice board board exam. Uh, Abby's nursing shift has started for the morning. Frank gives Gallant a message from Valerie, and, there, and he's all like, ooh la la. Mm-hmm. And it gal- turns out it's Gallant's sister, his twin sister. And everyone's like, what the hell does she look like? And she's like, picture me in a dress. <laughs> Uh, we're back to we're back to gross Pratt this episode. I just want to throw that out there. Like, yeah, he ske- he skeeves yeah. me out so bad this whole episode. Yeah. Only a lot. It's it's a little much. Like, and it's kind of a hard pivot from where we were last mm-hmm. episode. It's just it's there's there's a lot not to like about this. But uh, Frank mentions the memorial for Romano, uh, and Pratt chimes in with, "He must have really heard a helicopter in his previous life," which I actually found to be one of several. Yes, distasteful, but also funny lines in this episode. <laughs> like, uh, there's one from so, Alex later that I'm thinking of that is that is particularly funny to me. Something I didn't get here that I should have was like everybody looks at him repulsed when he says this, and he's like, "What? It's karma." And then he looks at Neil and he's like, "You should explain this to them." And she goes, "Okay, that's like two for two. Like, yeah. fuck off." Okay, yeah, the follow up is not great, but the the initial comment, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm very no. much in favor of. We're all thinking the initial one. You're fine. Uh, but yeah, so we find out Lizzie helped organize uh, the service, and then we cut to a big memorial outside uh, the ambulance bay, and Lizzie is just standing there and kind of taking it all in. And we see a picture of her and Romano kind of in amongst all the flowers and uh, photographs and things, and a really nice one of just him. Uh, and this is... This is not the episode I thought it was, for one thing. <laughs> like, I, I really thought that we were right? gonna, I really yes. thought that we were yep. going to get the thing that we have a t-shirt of uh, this episode. Uh, but, the thing I'm, the thing, my favorite bit in the entire, in the entire series. Yeah, I, I was, there. I was really waiting for that. I was really, really expecting to get that. It'll be, but, it'll be our Christmas present when we get back from break. Yeah, but uh, the, the memorial stuff gets relegated to just a couple of scenes here, and like, uh, I... You know, we'll, we'll we'll obviously go through it as we as we go through it, but and we also get a, a quite a few um, quite a few shots of them just kind of business as usual in the ambulance bay, uh, just accepting you know ambulances coming in and patients and stuff like that. And uh, I will say they're not a hundred percent clear on the timeline of how long it has been since last mm-hmm. episode, but you would assume based on the fact that they're doing memorials and stuff that we're talking about a week, maybe ten days at the most. Yeah, and like you would never know anything had happened in that ambulance bay. <laughs> like the ambulance bay is back to looking exactly as it's always looked. Everything I mean, is the same. It's kind of a vital part for the hospital. Well, sure, so but like they would prepare it as absolutely soon as humanly possible. I would have go- I would have settled for even just a few errant like scorch marks on the wall for paint. Like just give me a little something to tell me that something happened out here, but like everything is back to normal. Uh, What's that thing, Lauren? Something happened here. You hope it was a miracle. <laughs> John Mulaney may have ended up being a piece of shit, but that's still one of my favorite uh, comedy <laughs> bits ever. Uh, so yeah, so we will we'll touch more on the memorial as we go along, but that takes us right into the intro with some bangs, and we come out of the intro to our first uh, first pair of patients for the episode, uh, J- Johanna and Thomas. Uh, they're uh, a pair that have been brought in. Uh, from an MVA, uh, Thomas is her boyfriend who was also uh, in the car. Was he driving? Was that the... Yes. Yeah, he was driving yeah, she and, was she, the and she was the passenger. Uh, and he has suffered a gunshot wound to his chest and a stab wound to his right flank. Not great. Nope. Uh, and uh, both uh, Johanna and Thomas here are, are a bit of an 
bit of Ohayet stack people. Uh, Johanna, starting with Johanna, she's played by actress Shannon Lucio or Lucio or Lucio or I don't know how it you know she kind of sounds like a third generation Pokemon with the last uh, the last name there. Uh, but she appeared in stuff like The OC, Prison Break, and True Blood. And Thomas is uh, played by actor Finn Whitrock, who appears in stuff like American Horror Story, Unbroken, and The Big Short. Uh, I recognized him from The Big Short that he was he was part of the Brad Pitt storyline in that movie. Hmm. I need to rewatch that movie and be angry it's, all over it's, again. Uh, it's not a fun watch, but it's a good watch. Uh, and then Lizzie asked Carrie if she would say something at the memorial today. Says someone from the ER should eulogize him since he did end his life working down there. And Susan's running a trauma when Carrie comes in and tells Susan she needs she needs to speak at the funeral and kicks Susan out of the trauma and has her run the board to give her some time to prepare her remarks. I I get the whole logic that like nobody wants to do it but i did think it was funny that they picked susan of all people to want to like i don't know that there was a work like a, a less logical choice to want to have uh eulogize romano than susan like talk about somebody who had so little to do with that character ever like those their their paths so rarely ever crossed <sighs> yeah i maybe it's because of that that they were like she's gonna have the least awful things to say about maybe him. so yeah but uh we see abby is working on thomas uh Neela, Luca, and Gallant are working on Joanna, and Alex is creeping through the trauma door, just staring at Luca while he works. Uh, we learn Romano was supposed to be on shift today. Ooh. And the student trio are all going to grade each other's test papers, so we'll see how that goes for everybody. Uh, Gallant wants to get a test for... Uh, oh, get sorry. He wants to get some diagnostic test for Joanna. Luca asks him like three times to make sure that he really believes it's needed. And he's like, okay, fine, go for it. Um, Neela gets a call from London while she's in the trauma room. And uh, in the background, we hear Joanna ask what language Neela is speaking. Abby tells her it's Punjabi. And Neela says she can't come to London. We'll find out what that's about in a little bit. And then Sam plops Alex down at the admit desk and tells him to study for his math test. And I asked before, we'll get this answered in like 30 seconds, but I asked why is he in the ER on a Thursday morning when he should be at school? We find out in just a minute. Uh, he steals a random inhaler from the desk. Cool. And some clamps. Great. And then Luca asks him why he's not in school. And it turns out that it's one of those like half days where your teachers are having a meeting in the morning about what's going on. And Alex makes some complaint about gym class and having to wrestle today. So Luca's like, all right, buddy, come on. Let me put a cast on your arm. This will be fine. Great. And Luca. then we hear uh, Alex meant, like, we learn that Luca's going back to Africa, I guess. And Alex asks him all about the trip. And he says, sounds like Africa kind of sucks. And as he says this, Pratt walks in. And it's just really awkward comedic timing there. And then... Uh, Pratt needs to present a patient to Luca for dispo, and Luca's like, I thought you weren't presenting to me. And um, Pratt's like, well, that changed. Here, yeah, whatever. Says, he says, I got, <laughs> I got over it. Yep. Uh, Sam brings in a man with uh, four severed fingers, and Alex, of course, watches this absolutely enthralled. And <laughs> who asks? Oh, yeah, Pratt asks him what happened to his, uh, to his arm, and he, he goes, oh, Mom twisted it when she was drunk. <laughs> And then Sam hits him. Yeah, you know, he's Sam's not even in the room. He, oh, you're uh, right. uh, Luca's standing next to him. That's Luca, what it was. Luca's yep. trying to hide him. He's kind of behind yep. Luca. And he asks him what happens to his arm. He goes, Mom twisted it when she was drunk. And he grabs 
uh, Alex's hood on his jacket and crams it down on his head and shoves him out like down the. That's hall. what it was. <laughs> it's such a great like take from both of them. I really hate this pairing, but I do think it's really funny. This particular scene is really funny. I also kind of uh, it made me think of the the look on his face when he sees the guy with the severed fingers. It makes me think of that uh, scene in Jurassic Park where uh, the they they're running from the the pack i can't think of the name of the 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 fucking dinosaur but the the pack dinosaurs that are like running and they they run through the field and they hide behind a log and then one of them gets picked off by a t-rex and they're standing there watching it get slaughtered and the kid just kind of gets up and looks over the the tree and he's like look at all the blood (laughs) he's so like he's so into it like that's just you know that that's what it made me think of watching alex with that look on his face that kid also makes the shitty kids list just fyi from Timmy from, from Jurassic Timmy Park. Timmy from Jurassic God, you are ruthless. I am. He go, drives me nuts. Go to therapy, woman. I'm in therapy, Daniel. <laughs> double go to more of it. Yeah, double down. Like, it's... Is there, a, is there another subscription tier we can subscribe you to? Like, is there a $10 patron tier of therapy that I can subscribe you to? Jesus. Yeah, it's called letting me sleep. Fair enough. Uh, Joanna... Is it Johanna? Is that what, how they Who knows? Pronounce? Yeah, they go back and forth. Sometimes they say Johanna. Okay. Sometimes they say Joanna. Okay. So Johanna says they went to, went to the south side to get pot. Like, I, la- right I laughed. Tail, white people. Because that's where you go. I laughed at this whole thing. They, they For one thing, they say the south side as if it is like this. They went to another country. Like, like They say it in such a way that it is like, oh, you went to the south side. Oh, oh no! Heavens to Betsy. Um, for reference, there's like I've been to the South Side. There's it's so fine. Many, there's it's so, there's a bunch of nice place, nicer nicer areas in the South watched Side a, too. Watched a White Sox game there. It was lovely. Exactly. They really need to build that up like they did around Wrigley. So, but that's just one woman's opinion. Um, uh, she asked Neil about being from India, and Johanna has only been as far as Chicago, and she's from Arcola. I was—that's what they told I, us. I was—I was looking up, and apparently Arcola is a a very like notorious uh, like Amish community in Illinois. Oh. Uh, it's like 120 miles from Chicago, though, so like it's a little bit I concerning mean, that they ended up here. We see you see a lot of Amish in taking the trains in Union Station, so. Because it's such a central hub for transit. That... Exactly. Uh, but they've just been kind of hanging out for the past three weeks. Uh, Thomas is okay, just a broken leg. Uh, they need to call their parents, but the parents don't have a phone, so they can call the Fishers. I forget who exactly Neighbors. Yeah, it's like it's their neighbors. neighbors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and ER needs to call the parents because they are still minors. Yeah, so Arcola is a town of about 2,900 that is about 160 miles south of Chicago and is the home okay. the home of Johnny Gruel, who created the Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy characters and dolls. And Ooh. since 1980, has also hosted a precision lawnmower drill team, an annual event Shit, yeah. with the Lawn Rangers, a group who wear cowboy hats, carry brooms, and ride lawnmowers in precision movements. All of my hours playing lawn mowing simulator are pa- going to pay off. I'm going to join that. STT live episode from from the Lawn Rangers event when? like In Arcola, yeah, Illinois. In Arcola, Illinois. <laughs> Let's crowdfund that. Uh, uh, but we then see uh, Susan and Lizzie working on the hand man, which is a great, great shorthand <laughs> name for that patient. 
Uh, Sorry. And talking about Romano. Uh, Alex is creeping on the trauma, and I believe it is... Is it Susan or Lizzie who says, should you be in here? I think it's Susan. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just obviously very, very suspicious uh, about the sociopathic 10-year-old's presence in the room. Uh, like Abby, you would be. As you would be. Uh, Abby, We see Abby asking Susan about a hypothetical on the practice test. She's clearly very concerned about how she did. Uh, and a ortho surgeon comes down uh, to uh, take take finger hand man. Sorry, uses Christian name to take hand man away to reattach. Uh, but a uh, bit of a hitch. They only have three fingers, and he came in with four. Not great. Uh, and Sam seems to know immediately what has happened. Like, <laughs> like we didn't. Like, well, but like this has happened before, kind of thing. Like <laughs> she has, she has the the immediate awareness of what has happened in such a way that I'm I'm convinced that he's done this before. Because she leaves the room and basically chases him down the hallway, and uh, then. She catches him. It, it does like a weird. It must have been a commercial break because it does like a weird fade to black as she uh, starts chasing him down the hallway. And then when we come back from the fade, we're in the lounge. She's caught him and she's having him empty out his backpack uh, when we rejoin them. And now he's like all of a sudden very urgent, uh, very like, oh, I'm late. I got to get to school. I got to catch my bus. And she finds all the me- the stolen medical supplies in his bag and is just like, what the fuck, dude? Why are you stealing stuff? You know, you weird little klepto and uh then asks him what's in his pocket we will find out in a bit i bet it's something bad uh susan's dumping out trash looking for the finger and she tries to persuade abby to be the one to talk for romano oh just i love the running bit that no one wants to do this (laughs) uh sam yells at luca about the cast and he's like and they have something that during the argument it's like you're off playing doctor and everyone looks at (gasps) luca and and she's like not like that (laughs) So, uh, she essentially tells everyone Alex is a liar, and Luca gets down on Alex's level to ask about the finger, and he immediately gives it up that he put it in the fridge in the lounge. It's like, it needs to stay cold. Uh, and the next up, we have a five, five to six-year-old girl who's hypothermic. Uh, she's officially, as of now, a Jane Doe. She was found in the bushes in Lincoln Park. There's a lot of bushes in Lincoln Park. Um, so, like, in the park park, or... In the neighborhood... Just outside of some rich white person's, like, large a large home or what's I don't know, but hi Halle, haven't seen her. Have we seen her in a minute? No. I don't even know. Yeah, she's been, it, all the nurses have been sort of you know kind of we we get a little bit of Halle this episode. We also get a little bit of uh, uh, Real Housewives nurse whose name escapes me at the moment. I can't remember what her gotcha. character's name is. I just always I just always point her out and I'm always like, oh, I see you a lot on TV nowadays. Like she does like the talk show circuits and stuff a lot. Uh, but Pratt asks Abby to intubate and Lauren. Whose films are those? Uh, the girl has no identifying marks and her temperature is 86.7. So Which is not, not good. Yeah, not great, Bob. Uh, Neil is on the phone for Thomas and Johanna. The parents may not be able to hire a car right away. Uh, Galan asked her what the call was. What um, Neil's call, Neil call was about that she got that she was yelling in the trauma room about. And uh, it's a seek, uh, it's a seek naming ceremony for her sister's new baby, and she'd have to miss two weeks of work cool. for it. So, you thought Jake's wedding was <laughs> <laughs> was a thing, uh, but her parents are just very protective of her, and she's like, "I don't even need it's the baby's not going to know I'm there. Why does anyone care?" <laughs> like, um, 
And she gives an update. She gives Johanna and Thomas an update on their parents, and Thomas tells her that they're Amish and they're on Rumspringa. Rumspringa. Yeah, that's how they pronounce it. Uh, basically, getting their their teenage rebellion phase out of the way, soiling their uh, oats. Yeah, they get to <laughs> run free in the world for a while around at around age sixteen, and then choose whether or not to be Amish for the rest of their lives. Kind of a kind of a big decision to make it age 16 but nice that they give them this little built-in you know like weekend at bernie's to you know decide yeah. uh, and go back to jane to jane doe she's in vtac uh luca's working on her with abby and pratt and no missing person report no missing persons report according to michael Payne. okay that this this was the thing that really upset me as i was watching this episode mostly because i was looking for things to be upset about because this episode was different cop rotter kind of boring no it's it's the same cop i just am like who when did i like I missed the memo that Michael Pena was just going to keep showing up. Like I thought this was like a one episode like, "Oh yeah, hey, it's an oh hey, it's that guy. Cool, that was fun." No, he just keeps showing up. This is his last episode. We will be saying goodbye to Michael <laughs> Pena this week. Well, but he's got to be he's got to learn as much as he possibly can so he can learn to become a thief and then go to prison and meet Ant-Man and then be a whole thing. I would I would really we need him. to find out if Michael Peña is on cameo and if he is, I would I would like him to summarize all 331 episodes of ER <laughs> as his character from Ant-Man. <laughs> like, seeing as he was there for 3 of them, like I feel like he he could do it. Yeah. I I have confidence in him. But then uh, we go from there up to the uh, memorial in the chapel where Lizzie is up there all alone. uh, And uh, she's staring at a giant portrait of Romano with the caption, God is love on it, which is just a great sort of visual. I kind of like I know it's kind of dismissive of the character, but I do sort of love a lot of the like derisive (laughs) gags that we have. The only thing I really was missing was I really wanted a, a great meta background gag where we see Shirley just like in a Hawaiian shirt or something like just really enjoying you know like (laughs) clearly reveling in the fact that like this man that has made her life hell for the last you know six years is finally dead like I would love yeah you wouldn't yes but also it's kind of a bummer that we don't get like Shirley and Lizzie kind of make like right. rolling their eyes at each other or whatever something i am a little annoyed at the lack of shirley involvement in in this mm-hmm. whole thing like there's she feels very she feels like a, a missed opportunity there but uh but there's some cookies and snacks out and uh lester and one of the other med students just come along and steal some of them and uh walk away i don't know if we really um i, I maybe i'm forgetting but like i just don't want it to go without saying that lester in this episode is kind of low-key the MVP of this episode. <laughs> like, Lester is coming into his own a little bit this episode and is, like, this perfect mix of just, like, deadpan humor and, like, weird absurdism. Like, he just has, like, really weird stuff to say with a really perfect deadpan delivery that, like, I was like, man, I wish we had more of this. I wish this character was fleshed out better because he's kind of been just background furniture since he showed up, and it was really nice to yeah. see him actually get to, you know do something for a change um but anyway we go back down to uh the er where social services is down talking uh about the jane doe situation and uh he unfortunately doesn't have much to go on without a name or id uh for finding out who she is or who her parents might be uh but he's going to get a fingerprint card and see what he can pull 
then he's going to get on a plane to Hawaii and uh, end up mired on an island for, you know, the next three or four years. And there's going to be weird stuff about numbers and a bunch of red herrings and it's going to go nowhere. And then he'll be right back here at County. Oh, I got that reference. Thanks. That I'm glad I never watched that show. Um, Neil is out in the snowing ambulance bay. Uh, Johanna's out smoking, uh, smoking her fourth ever cigarette and she's, uh, and it's already getting old. Let me tell you, I wish I had that attitude when I started smoking. Um, her mom is on the way, and if they choose not to be Amish, they are shunned by the commu- by both the community at large and also their individual family as well. Um, and she says, it's out here, it's scary, but it feels so full of possibilities. Which, yeah, that's the world. Uh, Thomas wants to go home, though. So Johanna asks Neela what she'd do, and Neela jokes that she's the worst person to ask because she ran away. She's the only person of, of their family to ever live outside of London or India. Um, and, but she said she'd go home. I do I do sort of like, I will give them credit for, for this storyline. I will say I, I give them credit for doing the opposite of what you'd expect, particularly at this time, of having the girl be the one with agency and like wanting to like do her own thing and not have it be that he's this bad influence on her that is really Mm -hmm. trying to get her to rebel and like do whatever and that she's just you know so beholden to the faith like they at least try to turn it on its head a little bit so i'll give him credit for that yep uh then luca approaches neela about a pulmonary angiogram that susan ordered He's like, oh, well, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And Neil's like, well, my opinion doesn't matter. And he goes, well, if you don't think it does, then it doesn't. Which, okay, fair, fine, whatever. Uh, But then Sam tells Luca to stop trying to help Alex. And she goes, you seem like a nice guy, but you don't know crap about raising kids. Go fuck yourself, Sam. That that lingering Uh, look that he gives, like, it's, it was a very, like, very pregnant pause there. Like, it was a very, look. And, and also, too, Sam has no idea about any of that stuff. So, like, I, I cut her a slight amount. Of, that's, my, that's my contractually obligated cut Sam a break for this episode. Like, she, yep. she has no idea about any of that history. Is it a shitty thing to say because we know the context? Yes. But, you know. Uh, but then police have found a couple from Rogers Park who lost their four-year-old girl two years ago. So this may be uh, Jane Doe's parents. And uh, Frank has taken Valerie to the lounge and Gallant heads over to meet her. This is where Joanna's mom shows up, and Abby takes her to see Joanna and Thomas. And Joanna's mom here is played by actress Wendy Phillips, who appears in stuff like the aptly titled Airplane 2, the sequel. Uh, Midnight Run, one of my favorite 80s movies that is uh, just a spectacular time. Love watching that movie even today. Uh, And Bugsy. And then uh, Luca and Susan are arguing about her patient and course of treatment, as, and Neela is right there between them. And uh, Susan chews Neela out this time and says, next time you feel like discussing my orders with another doctor, don't talk to Kovac. It's like, whoa, why is Neela in the crosshairs on this one today? She's just very small and is a med student, so she probably has no money. <laughs> doesn't understand what stress she's under. <laughs> Uh, Joanna's mom says it's time for them to get home, get baptized, and get married. And Frank, ever the love, ever the lover of other cultures besides white police, uh, <laughs> said, calls the reli- Amish religious, calls the Amish religious cultists. Um, they make good baked goods. If you're around Pennsylvania and I furniture. Was, I was gonna yeah, say, there's, I, I believe I said in the group chat when uh, Lauren and Lizzie went to uh, Pennsylvania recently that 
Lauren was in real danger of being drafted by the Amish because once she found out that there was an entire cult of people that didn't have access to the internet and handcrafted all of their own clothing, game over. <sighs> really, the really the whole millennial everyone wanting to live on a commune together and like do everything. Do we all just want to become Amish without no. the god worship? <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> like let's carve out the god worship and then add in maybe give me at least like 4g i don't have to have 5g but like give me like i need yeah, i do 4G. i need memes i can work with 4G. i do need the memes i can stream 1080p stuff in 4g that's fine nerd what <laughs> screw you lauren uh and we we get the uh at least two out of the three practice exams uh back lester got a 97 neela is disappointed that she only got a 93 but she hasn't finished abby's or grading Abby's yet. So. This reminds me. This reminds me of one of those like this is your life kind of moments for me, of standing on. You know how like in elementary school they have you line up in front of the school and wait for your bus or your parents or yep. if you're a walker, you know whatever. So like I, I have this very distinct memory of standing on the front steps of the school with my best friend at the time. This is this was pre Jake. This is this is how Whoa. this is how young I was. I was this is a pre Jake best friend. Um, and we're standing on the steps of school. It's raining, and it also happens to be like report card day. Like the you know how they would give you grades at the mm-hmm. quarters, you know. And yep. I can't remember what subject it was, but this was like third or fourth grade, and I was, as I was for most of my academic career, a royal fuck around. <laughs> like I, like, I could fuck around and find out with the best of them when it came to my grades, like. I could do the work when I felt like it, but when I didn't feel like it, boy, did I not feel like it. And so I don't remember which subject it was. It might have been math, might have been science, don't remember. Uh, but I had gotten a D for the quarter. And it was the first D I had ever gotten in my entire life up to that point. I don't even think I'd gotten a C. I think I skipped over C's entirely and went straight to D. <laughs> okay. I don't think we started getting letter grades until like middle school. For we, me. But anyway, carry we on. Didn't, we didn't start getting letter grades until like I think third grade. And this must have been like fourth grade. Um, and so like I had skipped over C entirely, gone straight to D I'm, I'm living with the expectation that I'm a dead man that like I've already, <laughs> I've already died and gone to mind you, my parents never laid a hand on me once my entire childhood, but I'm still convinced at this moment that I have already died and I'm already making my ascent to heaven. And next to me is my best friend at the time who is sobbing. Like I'm, I've kind of reached that, you know, like catatonic point of I'm dead where I'm like, I'm not even crying because like, what, what's crying going to do? I'm already dead. I might as well enjoy what little time remains on this earth. And my friend next to me is sobbing and he's sobbing because he got a B plus (laughs) in something. And it was the first time in his life that he had not gotten an A on something. And I'm like consoling him again. Perspective. <laughs> right. So like th- this, this whole like 97, 93 thing, I, f- I felt so, so like Abby in that moment. Like I felt, I felt the spirit in that moment of little like 10 year old me who's just sitting there consoling his friend on the steps of the school who is sobbing his eyes out because he got a B for the first time in his life. Meanwhile, I'm convinced that as soon as I get home, I'm going to be executed because I got a D in something. <laughs> So. Which kills me because this is your mom who was like surprised you texted her saying I love you. Oh yeah, no, like I said, my parents, <laughs> my parents were as far away from corporal punishment as you could possibly get. I had friends in school who were like 
would be like, oh, I'm going to get the belt. Like, I'm going to get, I'm basically going to get, you know, gonna get I'm going to get beaten by my parents. That never happened to me. I had zero experience with that ever. And yet, you can, it was the, you know, it's something, though, it is something about the fear of the unknown. You know, it's like, well, they haven't done it yet, so that must mean they're saving up for something really so, bad. Maybe on December's Lounge, we'll talk about if my mom regrets never spanking me as a child. <laughs> yeah, that would have fixed it. That, that, that would have fixed all your problems. Not created a bunch more. Oh, boy. But in any event, we go over to uh, Gallant greeting Valerie in the lounge. And he's making plans, says they'll go over to Ike's to get a bite after his shift. And uh, as he's putting stuff away in his locker, mind, uh, keep in mind we're in the new lounge here. So there's the layout of it is like there's a, the, the wall is at kind of an angle. There's a door. And then directly in front of those door, that door is the lockers. And behind the door is the couch. That's where Valerie is sitting because Pratt bursts in the door and asks Gallant point blank, why am I the last one to find out your sister's hot? Which is a gross. Great opener for a conversation. Gross. Uh, and then he, once he realizes that uh, Valerie's in the room, he introduces himself as Gallant's mentor, which causes Gallant a, l- a lot of consternation. Gallant is like, uh, the fuck you are. <laughs> he is not down with that. Also, I would assume that Pratt already saw her in there, like saw her head or something. I th- and, like, well, he's just fucking stupid. Yeah, no, and, I think that is actually. No, and he's and he's like, why didn't you tell me? Like, that, I think that he's was playing it a little. Ho- yeah, I, I do think you're right, Lizzie. I think he's playing a little dumb there. Just uh, that was his opener. Um, but he essentially invites himself along to Ike's and uh, Val is inexplicably charmed by this. It's so gross. <laughs> She's she is inexplicably picking up what he is putting down. Uh, because she's like, I can't wait. See you there. And, you know, Mackay Pfeiffer in 2003, what can I say? Like, the, the man could do no yeah. wrong. He was not an unattractive yeah. man. Uh, Valerie. But so gross. Valerie here is played by actress Joy Bryant, who appeared in stuff like Bobby, Honey, and the uh, 50 Cent biopic, Get Rich or Die Tryin'. Uh, oh, yeah, that was the thing. And she is. I thought uh, 50 Cent Blood in the Sand was a recreation of his life. For the Xbox 360. Oh, I think that was the that was the <laughs> the game adaptation of said film. Uh, no, I no, it was it's it's a completely off the, the wall joke. third person shooter. It's it's. I to, today it's today I learned there's more than one Fifty Cent game because I know there was a game version of this movie. Yeah. So there's Bulletproof, which is bad, <laughs> and then there's Blood on the Sand, which is really fucking good. <laughs> Listener, what? Li- listeners at home, which are you more surprised Lizzie has an encyclopedic knowledge of the uh, Fifty Cent family of games? Or Boston Legal, uh, or sorry, Boston Public, <laughs> Boston Public, the TV series. I don't want to get into the uh, the Boston family of TV shows. And no, I was never into Boston Legal. I never, <sighs> never fucked with that. Uh, but Valerie uh, Joy here is making her first of three appearances as Valerie, so we will see just a bit more of it. Oh, also, we neglected to mention too, Valerie's disability has changed since the last time we met her as well. Right. Uh, Valerie's okay. I'm not crazy. No, right? Valerie's original. I also think her name might have changed as well. Yeah, um, but but her her uh, original disability was cerebral palsy. I told you, Lizzie. I fucking told you. Yeah, we. I think we highlighted this at the time because it, if if I remember correctly, she wasn't seen. She was only referenced before. She's only referenced and when at the army base. Yeah, when he talks about her at the army base, I think he gives it a, a different name, and he says that she has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. We absolutely talked about that, but I we did not talk about what the new dis, uh, disorder is. Yeah, which we will get confirmation of uh, a, a <sighs> little, little bit later in the episode, uh, but for now. 
we go over to uh, back to check on Thomas, who we find out will need to stay upstairs admitted for a few days. Uh, but he's going to go back to Arcola once he's recovered. He can't miss that lawnmower expo. Like that's that's big doings for Thomas. You know, he's on. He's part of the Lawn Rangers. We can't miss that. No uh, technology. He's not probably. But motorized. He has a horse and buggy that he does it on. Look, I'm just saying. <laughs> exceptions. I'm sorry to our one Amish exceptions listener. can be. <laughs> How do how does that work? Don't don't how does worry that about work? How's the Amish listener listening? It's it's the two sixteen year olds who are on their Amish they happen to find. They're reading the transcripts, uh, and then uh, and then she said, "Whose films are those?" Uh, Johanna is <laughs> still thinking it over. Uh, we'll find out if she, you know, decides to uh, join Thomas when he goes back. Uh, but we find out uh, from there that Larry and Judith Anderson, the parents, uh, the potential parents of the Jane Doe, have arrived. Uh, and uh, Larry, they're p- played by a couple of oh hey it's that people here. Larry is played by uh, actor John Eric Bentley, who appears in stuff like Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, Resident Evil: Extinction, uh, and does a voice in 2023's Starfield, uh, the game that. Uh, Lauren couldn't stop stuffing potatoes into a spaceship for a while on, I believe, was the, the crux of that it game. It was, uh, it was, I was working on hoarding books in my ship, not potatoes. The potatoes sure. gave me the idea, but I was doing books. Sure, okay. Uh, well, he's our high watermark actor for the episode. 224 credits to his name, most of which are voice credits. Uh, so he seems to be a much more prolific voice actor than screen. Uh, but the biggest, oh, hey, it's that person of this episode, uh, and I'm not just talking about her fake ass, uh, is Judith here, who's played by actress Niecy Nash, who appears in stuff like Guess Who, uh, the TV series, miniseries uh, on Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, and Reno 911, where she was uh, one of... That's who I, th- I thought she was. Well, I, like I said, you, oh, probably, I love Reno you probably just didn't recognize her without the fake ass, like which I was crushed to find out was fake, by the way, <laughs> back when I was in yeah, high school. Yeah, me too. Holy cow. Like, I I now know so much more about your tastes, Daniel. No, it wasn't. It's not, it's not a taste. It's just an impressive uh-huh. thing. It's an impressive uh-huh. thing. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, it was it was funny. Right. They made fun of it. Right. It was sure. Right. Hey, look, mm-hmm. I was I, I was gonna get very. Nope. Don't, I was gonna get nope. very blue there just to upset you, but nope, I, I, I I I reeled it back spare in. Spare me. I reeled it back Thank in. Thank you. Come on, you gotta get, you gotta get her to rip the headphones off. Uh, the I, game. Me existing tonight is ripping the headphones <laughs> off. I am that's, I am one totally one moment away from just walking away anyway. So, uh, back over at the uh, admit desk, Frank gets a call for Susan Re, a patient who we have not mentioned up to this point, and we we mentioned in passing that uh, Neela consulted on his uh, his uh, tests. But uh, Hank Benitez, who we saw in a very blink or you'll miss it scene from earlier where he's getting stuffed into an elevator. It was basically like it was basically Chekhov's embolism. Like he he gets into the he gets into the elevator and he waves at his kid and is like, order some pizza for us, buddy. And I was like, oh, so you'll be dead in minutes. Like you'll be <laughs> you're next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Death has marked you, sir. You will be dead in, in mere minutes. Uh, and yes, he's up in uh, angiography and he uh, crashed after uh, the contrast. And he's suffering classic signs of an allergic reaction. Not great. Uh, and Hank here, who we briefly see, is played by actor Wayne Lopez, who appears in stuff like G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra, Desperate Housewives, and Grey's Anatomy, where he appears as multiple different paramedics. It's like he has like four different credits from that show, all as paramedics. So shout out to this guy. Uh, and Kendra slash Jane Doe's parents come up to see her. Uh, come up to see her. She's still wrapped up in odd events, and but oh, oh no, 
oh dear it's it's not kendra it's not their kid and i just have to say something awful during this um yeah this but she's gonna go yeah fuck that kid <laughs> no i'm not i'm gonna, gonna go fuck her the, and her low body temperature no i'm gonna say the the absolute illustration of how fucking exhausted i've been the last few weeks is aside from her being on the vent and i looked at how tucked in she was and i was like oh that looks nice look at that nice <laughs> little quilt she has guys i'm going to hell and here I am using my own lungs to breathe like a sucker. <laughs> like, man, just, I really wish I I'm, was found in bushes in Lincoln Park. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to hell or I'm already there right now, guys. I can just, just drop you off in Lincoln Park and you can hide in some bushes to be found. But I have a, I have a, a quilt hunter. here. It was just that she just got to be in a quilt. Who wore it better? Just saying. I can arrange <laughs> this. I wouldn't advise it. Who, who? Daniel, I... I give you permission. I will take a picture wrapped up in a quilt, and you can do the shit no, post I, for this episode. This episode, this episode is is tailor made for you. It's like who wore it better? Was it Alex's like blanket mummy thing from earlier in the episode, or is it the like inflatable warm blanket that this kid is under because her body temperature is in the eighties? I, I have another joke to make, but I'm I'm gonna send it to you guys instead because that one's not for Mike. Well, we uh, we do see here uh, as they determine that the the child is not theirs and they're escorted scurried out of the room by michael pena michael pena just follows them right off the edge of the cliff into the shadow realm we will not be seeing michael pena anymore on this show despite me being like what the fuck dude are you like jason Voorhees? like you just keep showing up a character that i didn't know existed on this show uh it's like technically he's like a legit er alum like he was in multiple yeah. episodes and i knew nothing ant-man's about an er movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> not not up in here. <laughs> oh, with that being said, oh, we go back. Hank is still crashing and his family are watching through the window, which again seems like something that should not be allowed, but here we are. Uh, Susan calls time of death right in front of them and Luca blames Susan for not giving him heparin and Susan snips back at Luca and Neela yells at both of them to calm the fuck down and then goes to inform the family. Wait, th- this scene here might be the most ham-fisted scene in the entire episode, I think. It's so obvious, like, blatantly obvious, like, that this is a scene crafted entirely just to, like, make a point. And I just, I hate it. (laughs) I really don't like it. Like, because, like you said, it doesn't really make sense for the family to be there because it's not really a... It's a it, no. They're in like a lab area. Right. They wouldn't be back there. There wouldn't even be a place for them to be to stand if they wanted to. Yeah, they're, it's like it's like if you were getting an MRI, it would be like them standing in the booth with the technician. Right. And Susan. No. Susan calls time of death in the most like disinterested, passive way. I think we've like, well, fuck it. Yeah, like she does it in the most out of character way. I think we've ever seen her call time of death. She just goes like, oh well, time of death. You know, despite the fact that the family's like three feet away from her, she, no tact at yeah. all. And then they, her and Luca immediately start arguing. Then Neela gives the most, like, earnest fucking after-school special, like, thing where she's like, it's not about your bickering. It's about this man. And I was like, he, I wish I were dead. Like, this. He's <laughs> dead. He's gone right? and he's never coming back. <laughs> she was possessed by the ghost of Sally Draper. Like, uh... he's dead and nobody cares. It was just so <laughs> bad. Like, like this is this this is beneath the show. I think this scene. Uh, but then uh, social services comes down and tells Abby that he still hasn't found anything on uh, Jane Doe. And Abby's like, "Little girl disappears and no one notices the tragedy of it." 
Um, and then Abby's going to sit and wait with her to get until she gets up to the PICU before she goes out for drinks with everyone. Just kidding. Neela Pratt and Abby are then walking out, leaving for Ike's. And Neela steps aside to talk to Jana, who is in the ambulance bay. And, um, like, with her mom and everything. And Johanna says, tell Thomas I said to get better. Uh, she's not coming home. She goes to catch a bus. And Johanna's mom says, you can't make them stay if they don't want to. Which I love that it's not a story about them dragging her back. It's about them saying, yep, this is our culture. This is her choice. Yeah. It's like honestly, like this storyline deserves a better episode. Like this is actually yeah, the yes. most compelling part of this episode, and everything else around this episode. I, I figured out what the alternate title should be for this episode. This episode should be titled "Who Gives a Shit," because like every <laughs> every single part of this episode, except for this storyline, you could punctuate with "Who Gives a Shit." Romano's hey, memorial. No, no, who gives no, a shit? No. Whose fucks are those? Take a lap. Take a lap. Thanks. <laughs> Take a lap and come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. Uh, but no, like seriously, like R- yeah. Romano's memorial. Who gives a shit? The little girl found in the park after being missing for two years, supposedly. Who gives a shit? Like there's just, every part of this episode. No one gives a shit about anything except for, again, like the Zamish storyline, which is like mildly compelling. Like it would be like a pretty good B plot in an otherwise really good episode. Whereas here it's forced to do the heavy lifting and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. Like, it's it's the best part of an otherwise really underwhelming episode. Oh, and we can't carry on with who gives a fuck. Uh, <laughs> Sam calls the ER because Alex is MIA and Luca asks her for more details because he's at admit. So trying to figure out what's going on. And as Luca's on the phone, Frank's like, Kovac, Kovac, my dude over here. And then... Uh, points to chairs and Alex is sitting in chairs and Luca goes over and is like, Hey pal, how was school? And Alex doesn't think he should. Alex tells Luca. He doesn't think he should go back to Africa because it's dangerous. And he calls his mom a loser and says, she wishes she never had. Me. Oh my God. How did we not talk about the fucking 2003 ist reference from Alex in this episode? Like where he calls a fucking kid in his class, Osama, like, yeah! Oh my god, I, com- I completely forgot. I completely forgot about that. Like that he the whole reason he doesn't want to go to school is because some kid who's slightly bigger than him, you know, kicks his ass in wrestling, which first of all, I went to public school. Didn't it wasn't in Chicago. Maybe it was different in Chicago, but I went to public school. We never had a wrestling unit in gym. Like there we, was we yeah, had, we never that, that seems like a liability nightmare. Right. We had a wrestling team at my We had a wrestling yeah, team in high course. school, but certainly not at his age. Yeah. Like Yeah, sorry, and, in high and school. And we definitely yes. weren't doing it as just a fun activity in gym. Like that wasn't a thing. And so, but then he's like, yo, yeah, this kid, we call him Osama. Like, it's like, it's not even his name. He's, this is a nickname that has been bestowed upon this child because it's 2003 and children are terrible. But I was like, that made my skin crawl. As soon as he said it, I was just like, Uh, and then we go over to Ike's. Uh, This looks like the bar that Romano got his shit kicked in. in, So, which I'm assuming. Probably. Uh, gross uh, gross things happen as Val and Pratt uh, flirt when she says she's in town for a month and Lauren just keeps just writing gross, gross, gross on the night. Gross, gross, I don't know if this is because I'm ace or if this is because they're just truly icky. I can't decide, but uh, it's a little sleazy. Greg's not, a, Greg's not a, 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 at his finest this there episode. So. Uh, Neil and Abby go and have drinks and talk about their families and... 
and Neil is like, let's all of us get our stuff together. What is she on this episode? What the fuck? I love it. Like, did they give her, like, earnest pills? Like, what is she on? Oh, she sucks. Now she's on alcohol. So she is. But Abby asked her about her the test that Neil is supposed to be grading and Abby got a 52% Abby and Neil ever the helpful person says, think of it as half full. Been there, been there girl where you're trying to like, trying to talk yourself into like, Oh no, it's fine. I did actually like, I did. Okay. And then you start doing that math of like, well, if I get a hundred on every assignment from here on out, something I've never done before in this class, if I only (laughs) do that every single time for the rest of the semester, I'll pass. I have a lot of trauma related to school. I don't know if that comes through on Mike, but uh, you know, it wasn't a lot of it was self-inflicted trauma, you know? Uh, But we go from there back out to Lizzie in the ambulance bay Memorial again. Carrie walks by and apologizes for uh, not showing up. Um, you know, you're not that sorry. Uh, and she, apparently nobody showed up for the memorial to, to include the cameraman. Nobody filmed it. Uh, but, uh, Lizzie says, you know, he had nothing but this place, Carrie, no wife, no kids, everything he ever had, he lost here and he'll be missed whether we realize it or not. And I was like, give me the sign. Give me the, give me the thing. Give me the plaque. I want the plaque. That's what I'm here for. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Give me what right. I want. Give me what I want. This, this, the, the name of this episode is Who Gives a Shit? Like, that's, Give me the plaque. Give me my uh, Lizzie, Lizzie burns the condolences card, and uh, both Lauren and Lizzie thought this was the end of the episode, but we're baffled to see that we still had about seven minutes left. So. I so, was personally the, offended. The week that Return of the King had its, its uh, <laughs> debut... The movie that the when I was in the theater and saw it, everyone thought it ended at least five times, and that's and not was even like the doing extended like full, edition. Like full on like applause and like people starting to get up to go, and then the scene would the screen would come back and be like, "Oh shit!" Uh, that still happens to me, and I've seen the extended editions. I don't even know how many times, and I still lose count of how many were. <laughs> Which version is it that has the ending where uh, Sam and Frodo bang in the Shire? Which which end? That's that's the super ultra uh, Jake's wedding director's cut. But that's like that's definitely been a thing in something, right? Like a parody thing or something. Like where they go back to the Shire. Oh. You can't even. I'm sure. I'm there's sure. Like that, I'm not. I'm not shit posting here. Like characters. that is considering like, how of considering how horrifying the share the load gif is every time I see it. Like no, there's absolutely that absolutely uh, exists. I'm sure. Release. It makes me it makes me so upset. Release, every release time. the finger cut. That's a joke for three people, only one of which might uh, ever listen to this episode. God. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I'm making making Daniel, myself laugh here. I hate you. <laughs> I love you. You're great. <laughs> Look, man, the the real wedding was in the dressing room on the on this side, like waiting to go out for the ceremony. That was the real wedding. Uh, we go back to Ike's. Who gives a shit? You know, we go back to Ike's. Neil is regaling everyone uh, with how she yelled at Luca and Susan and uh, rants about the stereotypes that she deals with. She says, I'm not British. I'm not Indian. I'm not American. Where do I fit in? Who gives a shit? Uh, Gallant and Val leave. Pratt walks out with them. And Gallant hands Val her crutches. And this is where uh, Pratt has to have his, like, 
oh, but she's disabled. I can't fuck her now. Like, he has to have oh, his, like, yeah. internal... I can't take advantage of her. She must be so fragile. Oh, right. my God. Uh, Val asks Gallant to get the car so she can talk to Pratt, and Pratt immediately apologizes for being offensive. And we find out that she has MS. Maybe Gallant was just stupid and didn't know the difference between cerebral palsy and MS. Or they decided, hey, you want to fuck with Lauren now that her diagnosis is up? Let's go. Yeah, they, they edited the scene... 20 years, 20 years ahead of after. time just to fuck with Lauren. Uh, she's had it since she was 22, and she says, I have a couple relapses a year, but I'm still fully functional. How's that for a pickup line? And he's clearly now weird about hooking up. So, And I do love how she says, it's not going to kill me. At least not anytime soon. You don't know. I'm just living my you life. Don't know, you don't yeah. know what kind of uh, Pfeiffer Mackay is packing, okay? like it might, Maybe it will kill you. Oh, my God. They didn't. We are. We are. They didn't call on. it eight mile for nothing. You know. <laughs> we are moving on to our only audio clip of the episode. Uh, Luca helps get Alex home and talks with Sam. Get ready for bed. I'll be back in a minute. Don't ever do that to me again. Brush your teeth. Is he okay? Silent treatment. I'll be fine tomorrow. Look, I didn't mean to be a bitch before. You weren't. You know, I don't worry about not having a man in my life, but maybe he needs one. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention to that. Better no man than the wrong one. His father wasn't much of a father. Or anything else. He had a truck and a pierced tongue and an endless stash of weed. I was 15 years old. So you and Alex grew up together? (laughs) Oh, I'm a good big sister, but I'm not always sure how great a mom I am. Parents always worry about that. I just see him sitting in some shrink's office in 10 years talking about what a job his mother did on him. Kids are resilient. Look, I know I said I didn't need any help. But tonight I did. So thanks for the help. Uh, I mean, like, this is the only, like, thing that I found in the episode that was like, oh, okay, they're starting to really do Sam and Luca stuff now. I'm not even, like, anti-Sam Luca because I'm pro-Abby and Luca. I just, I don't know if I like this anyway. Because I don't like to look at my ships, like, in contrast with each other. Mm. I try to take them, like, on face value for what they are. And I'm intrigued to see if this is going to disgust me or if I'm going to end up here for it. I have a feeling because I hate the whole weird Alex and Luca friendship, I'm probably not going to love Sam and Luca, Mm. but... It's the epitome of, oh, I can fix her. Uh. Which is so weird because he's not that way with Abby. Ugh. But yeah, I'm also I'm just really weirded out with Alex watching through the door. This whole fucking thing. And do the creep. Oh. And then there's and that weird the ass oh. there's that weird ass like hug that they do where she gets all close and it looks like they're gonna kiss and then they just do this nice sensual hug instead. We gotta build the tension before and we Alex give is we like, give people the what they want. And Alex is just like, Are you my daddy? Oh. 
There's a clip I didn't want. There's a, there's a sound bite I wish I didn't have. Are you my new dad? No, no, don't make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. This is horrible. Street goes both ways there, buddy. They'll say the tables have turned, and we're going to get Daniel to rip off his headphones. Right, how the turntables have turned. Ugh. But then to uh, last two scenes to wrap out our episode, uh, we see Jane Doe start to wake up. Uh, Carrie and Halle extubate her, and we almost get another good scene with Carrie being amazing with kiddos, but she gets called away for another patient. And right after she's asked the little girl her name, she walks away, and the little girl just goes, Amanda. To a room of no one. Cool. Right. Great. Uh, And then Sam is watching Alex sleep while she has a beer, and she leans over, gives him a kiss on the head, and says, I love you, kiddo, more than anything, thinking he's asleep. But plot twist, he was awake and heard it. So I would love someone to write in as a listener response for episode 10 and be like, why should we... Why why does this episode exist? Who gives a shit? Subject line. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's that's my rating is who gives a shit out of 10. Yeah. This this episode, honestly, which, and it's written by David Zabel, who, when he's, you know, not writing uh, rapper dialogue, um, usually does a pretty good job. Uh, he did have that one unfortunate, <laughs> that one unfortunate episode in like season eight or nine where he was writing dialogue for the, the gay rapper who was... Uh, Oh God! Yeah. You get that from Stinky Booty or some shit, like what? It, whatever line that was, like other than that, he's nasty yeah. booty. Nasty other booty. than that, he generally is a pretty good writer. And this episode feels like you fed AI a bunch of after-school specials and like TV movies about issues and stuff, and this is what it spit out. Like everything is like disgustingly earnest, and like everything is like, oh, isn't this tragic? And isn't it like it's it's the formula boiled down to its most esoteric shitty parts. And I just I don't like any of it. <laughs> I just except for, like I said, the, the Amish storyline is like the most compelling. It's it doesn't mean it's good, but it's the most compelling out of the rest of the, the group. And it would be second or third place in a otherwise fine episode uh, in this episode. Unfortunately, it's the best we got. And so therefore, like the whole episode is like a six out of ten. Like it's just. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I agree with that. I'm whelmed. It's a six. It's not inherently offensive. It would be like a decent background noise one, but it's not one where I'd be like, oh my God, can we watch Who Gives a Shit? Yeah, it's not even, that's like, the thing. It's not even bad because it's bad. It's it's, it's just mid. It, right. I need the clip of MJF going mid. Like that's, that's this episode. <laughs> I'm sure Lizzie will find it and throw it in Discord it's, for you, you at know, some I'm point. I'm sure Daniel can YouTube it's, it himself. It's just like, it's completely unremarkable in every way and it sucks because like it's the yeah. it's the immediate follow-up to you know this drama filled the best episodes in the entire series well, let's not go that far but like this this I drama mean, filled you know like tension you know whole thing and you're i'm sure people came away from that episode going like oh man i can't wait to see what happens next week and this is what you serve them like this cold dead fish like this is you know and I just need you to know that completely unremarkable in every way was my uh, Tinder profile. Hey, there it is. Self-burns. You don't see those too often. Yep, you're welcome. All right, but what will the listeners have to say about it, Lauren? All right, we got two, but they're huge. Let's go. Uh, that's what I. That's what he said. Ah! Who gives a shit? Fuck 2023. All right, at Simply Swooning says, It took me a very long time to think of anything to say about this episode. Like, nothing is memorable. 
The only thing that matters outside of the ep is that Lucas, Sam, Alex, horseshit, which I'm actively repulsed by. First of all, I know for a fact there are way too many free before school programs that she can take her kid to. Secondly, the fact that she knows the instant the finger goes missing that it's him is even more reason why they should not bring him anywhere near her job. Luca is a father without a son, which I get, but this is not it. The only thing he should be doing with that kid is giving Sam psych referrals. And it's only getting started. Just fucking kill me now. Or fast forward to the human shield. That works too. The whole storyline is a waste of Gran and Linda's talent and the audience's time. On another note, Lizzie should have just went to Anspa and have him mandate ER attendance. I appreciate what she's trying to do, but she should understand that nobody liked Romano. They're not all being assholes about it like Pratt, but still. He deserved better, but honestly there was no one else who would have stood up for him. Because of who he was to them as a boss, a colleague, and an individual, they all just politely declined. Her experiences differ, but that's her alone. Alternatively, she should have ordered Deep Dish or Portillo's. I think Portillo's is really overrated. That would have brought people in. None of the patient storylines are that memorable or engaging. Abby's exams really should have been the central plot because even the little girl, even the little girl storyline at this point seems been there, done that. I'm thinking 4.5. All right. And last but not certainly... Wow. Let's try that again. Last but certainly not least, there we go, guys, I got it, uh, at the full-time dad. One thing ER has done well over the years is the follow-up episode after a main cast departure. The storm yielded us middle of nowhere, all in the family gave us be patient, such sweet sorrow was followed by Mayday, and season eight's departures gave us beyond repair and the smallpox saga. This is the first big swing and a miss. First off, I get that Romano is an unlikable, downright repulsive character even, but you're telling me nobody went to his service except Elizabeth? Carrie as chief of staff should have been mandated to be there. The fact that she was actively trying to get out of it is a black mark on her character. I guess I wouldn't have expected this late in her character arc. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Rocket deserved better. With that said, we deserve to see more of Elizabeth's grief over losing a friend, even a complicated one like Robert. Relegating it to a couple of scenes by a roadside memorial is a huge miss. Then there's Michael's sister, Susan. Wait, I mean Valerie, whose cerebral palsy magically resolved except now she has MS. And for what? So we can give Pratt another woman to drool over? For the love of continuity, man, what are we doing here? Even the stories we're supposed to be emotional... Even the stories we're supposed to be emotionally invested in, the father who died because of Susan and Luca's bickering, the Amish teens and the missing girl, are so half-baked and underdeveloped that it kind of just yields a big bowl of who the fuck cares. And finally, Alex. No amount of poignant Davich score over a sentimental mom confesses her love for a child while they fake sleep scenes can take away from the fact that the kid is a goddamn sociopath and apparently a chronic truant. The whole Lucas Sam Alex dynamic is a hot mess and we still have about 35 more episodes of it. Heaven help us. <laughs> Couldn't say it better myself. Uh, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast, where for the low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and over 80 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and character retrospectives, we just did Romano's, where we reflect on departed main cast members. 
We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Silent Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Workbooks on Duet. Who gives a shit? <laughs> no, that tracks, fam. All Lizzie, right. where can folks find you? Uh, in hell. All right, well, let's go. <laughs> uh, thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Uh, have a happy new year, and please join us again next week. Bye.